being older now, I'm sure my parents thought, you know, boy, I wish they'd sleep a little later. I remember later as a parent being tempted to give Benadryl before they went to bed on Christmas Eve so they'd sleep a little bit. Never did it. Just. But then, you, then you, time goes by and you, you stand there and you see, you begin to revisit Christmas again through the eyes of your kids. And there's the joy of being on the other side and being the one that prepares that gift some of my favorite times are times when, when we had them convinced that there was no way the gift they desired was going to happen. And yet somehow you scrape together, you do what you need to do, and you pull it off. And just the joy of when they rip back that wrapping paper and they see that the thing that they wanted so much was there. And just the joy of that was so wonderful. Now I find myself at the place that, that we still love getting together with our kids, but we're kind of looking forward to that grandbaby. <laughs> that we get to back up and experience that part all over again. And this time we get to spoil them. This time we get to buy those gifts that their parents say no to. When they come to our place... It's not going to be the limit on the candy and stuff like it was when our kids were. I mean, I'm, I remember when that was done to me, when my kids went to my parents' house, and now we get to be the ones that are on that other side of it. So we're, we're looking forward to that stuff. I love Christmas. But there's one phrase that we hear each time this year that needs no introduction at all. Bah humbug. Now, the second I say that, probably every person in here had some mental image of what that phrase meant. I don't have to probably tell anybody here who originally said that. And the sad thing is, maybe some of you, as I said that, you pictured a person that you know. course we're talking about Scrooge or Scrooges. So today I've given today's message the title Christmas Scrooges. You know the, the original book A Christmas Carol written by Charles Dickens was actually written in 1843 is when it was released. That's a long time ago. And it was instantly critically acclaimed. All the critics were like, this is an incredible book. But interestingly enough, the first couple of years, it really didn't gain a whole lot of traction as far as sales. It was kind of a, a writing that kind of slowly caught on in culture. But the interesting thing is, think about this. It was released on December 19th. 1843 and has not been out of print since. That's incredible. And the whole purpose of the book, 
according to Charles Dickens, was he felt society was drifting too far away from the meaning of Christmas. So he wanted, you know, obviously this is in London, England, his area and that area. And he really wanted to do something that would kind of bring the, the collective attention of the culture back to Christmas and what it was about. Now think about that. Never been out of print. The first movie by that title was released in 1901. Countless movies and specials and storylines on TV series and have taken this theme and run with it. We've seen all kinds of people play the part of Scrooge. Famous actors like Albert Finney, George C. Scott, and Michael Caine have played the role. Even TV shows that you would not think would have anything to do with it have had, had borrowed part of that storyline and worked it in to their Christmas time. I mean, we're talking from Doctor Who to the Muppets. So what an impact. And the whole goal of the book, as I said, was to refocus on the joy and the meaning of Christmas. And Christmas is one of two times each year I want you to understand something. Christmas is one of two times each year that even our world as a whole, even people that aren't necessarily inclined to put much attention to Christ, Christmas and Easter are two of the times that people's attention at least kind of turns their head towards Jesus' birth and Jesus' death and resurrection. Matter of fact, there's a term that's used out there I heard it for the first time the other day, but I knew exactly what they were talking about. They said it. They said, they said oh, yeah, the C&E Christmas, or the C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> and so I'm thinking if society is at least going to glance this way this time of year, that I'm going to stand up, do everything I can to point to that manger. Because that's where the story starts. But it is also the season of Scrooges. You know, think about this. Ebenezer Scrooge was originally described in the original book, A Christmas Carol, as a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Who had no place in his life for kindness, compassion, charity, or benevolence. He hated Christmas, and as we all know, he called it humbug. And you know the story on that night, Scrooge is visited by Marley, his long-lost friend and partner, the business partner that died, and told him that, you know, where I'm at, what's going on, you don't want to come here. And then the story goes that he was preceded, he was visited by the, the ghost of Christmas past that showed him what his life and how that he loved Christmas as a young man, but how that life circumstances and things that happened caused him to become the bitter person that he was. Then the ghost of Christmas present shows up and shows him that even people under his care, even though he, he gave such little to those that worked for him, what their lives were like and how that even with the little they had, they still found joy in things in Christmas. And then the ghost of Christmas future, he gets a glimpse into what his fate's going to be if things don't change. 
So do we do. We know this story. The next morning he gets up. He's relieved that, that Christmas hasn't passed. And he begins to, his life is changed and transformed. And he goes about spreading joy of Christmas. And, and we love that story. But yet, despite this cultural warning that we all know, we all understand, it seems that there are more Scrooges that join the Bah, bah Humbug fan club every year. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, this is probably the most interesting and different Christmas message I have ever, ever preached. Because this morning, we're going to look at some of the different Scrooges of Christmas. In fact, there's some Scrooges that don't even realize they're Scrooges. Now, and if you told them they were Scrooges, they'd be personally offended. So because of that, I have put together this disclaimer, and I want you to look at it on the screen. The following message is not intended to offend anyone. However, sometimes truth is by nature uncomfortable. The following is intended solely to make the case that it is perfectly fine to just relax and enjoy Christmas. See, the truth is, Here's the crux of it all. With our focus on the miracle birth of Jesus, let's return to that childlike wonder of Christmas. How many know that there are people that can pick everything apart? So as we begin to think about this and process this, I told you this is different than anything I've ever done. I really boiled Christmas Scrooges down to five different categories. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on each of them, but there's one thing that all the Scrooges have in common is that they love to suck the joy out of Christmas. Proverbs 17.22, if I had to say there's a text that covers the whole thing, it's Proverbs 17.22, says this, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I guess... The last part describes Scrooge, right? So the first Scrooge I want to look at is the classic Scrooge. We're talking about the uptight and the cranky. This is the Scrooge that Charles Dickens was writing about. It wasn't Christmas itself that Scrooge had a problem with. That just kind of amplified what was an ongoing, deep-seated problem. How many know that during this time of year, there are those that Christmas makes them want to run up and just give you a hug? Have you ever seen people that just this time of year, they they become way more friendly than normal? They, you know, all this. I mean, literally, other than Black Friday, Black Friday is the exception. But for the most part... During this time of year, when you go to the stores, it seems like people are a little more friendly. They're a little more willing to move their buggy out of the way. They're not so as quite as worried about themselves. We see this kind of transformation take place. There are people that are willing to... Now, we also know, though, there are some that want to strangle you simply because it's Christmas. To borrow a line from Grinch, these people... Because of circumstances are those that their heart is two sizes too small. But what's the root cause? They're people that have become bitter and everything is 
processed through that bitterness, that somehow they've let a root of bitterness settle down in their spirit and they see everything through that filter. There's some hurt in their life they can't seem to get past and they take it out on everyone around them. This is the classic Scrooge. Hebrews 12, 15 tells us this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I want you to think about that last line. The root of bitterness, by it many become defiled. That's Hebrews 12, 15. It should be on the screen. Why don't you think about this? Now, I know that there's all kinds of reasons in life that we can get uptight. There's things that happen that can cause. We all have cranky and bitter days, right? We all have one of those days, you know, uh, just the other day, Kim asked me, what's wrong? I said, well, really everything. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I have those days as well. This is like, you know, I, I just, I don't want to do today. I don't want to adult today. Right? But many times, though, when, when, when a root of bitterness gets down in, all of a sudden, we, we, we see everything through that filter, and we become so consumed by it that even things done with the greatest of intents and the purest of hearts, we find some wrong motive in it. And we, we pick it apart. And sometimes somebody has done us wrong. Sometimes things happen. But still being bitter is a choice. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, man, being full-time in the ministry, if being offended was something that, that wasn't a choice, I'd be offended at all kinds of people. But you learn to forgive and you learn to love anyway. You learn to move on anyway. But if you read the scripture, here was it says that if we let that root of bitterness take hold, that, that literally it leads to self-defile. That we can defile ourselves before the Lord. In his eyes, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this. Says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. <laughs> all right. I thought maybe God was speaking there for a moment. But think about it. Look at, think of the high bar that is set here. It says, as God in Christ forgave you. Think about all the stuff that Christ has forgiven us of. Think about the times, perhaps for some of us, there was even a point in time that some of the holy things of God we ripped. And yet he forgave us of that. 
So how can we hold on to the bitterness of something that was done for us? We were given us so much. Jesus himself told a parable about that. About the man that owed the master so much more than he could ever possibly repay. And Jesus says the master wiped the debt clean. And if you look it up according to the values of what a talent was, even if it was a talent of silver instead of gold, we're talking millions of dollars that was forgiven. And yet, the servant owed him just a fraction and he couldn't forgive. See, we can't be that. We can't let that creep in. We should always examine our hearts. When we have, when somebody comes around, when something happens and there's that thing in us that just wells up and just, I don't even want to be around them. And we get to look at things. We need to examine our hearts. We need to forgive and embrace. But then there's scrooges that are beyond the classic Scrooge. And so the next one I want to talk about is what I'm calling the secular Scrooge. You know the ones. They're easy to spot. You say Christmas and you can just see their blood boil and their ears turn red. And you know inside they said they said the C word. It's not Christmas, it's season's greetings. Happy holidays. I thought about that, season's greetings. Okay, so we're in a season. We're in the season of winter, right? I realize that's different in Texas. That could be shorts one day and jacket the next. I understand that. But we're in the season of winter. So are we saying that we should give a cold greeting? I'm not sure, I'm not sure what we're saying there. Or it can't be a Christmas tree, it has to be a holiday tree. Well, what holiday? Talking about the one that's on the calendar? You talking about the very holiday that literally on that day wars have ceased for one day? It's called Christmas. It's what the calendar says. But yet for some of them, when we say vintage holiday songs, as they would say, it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and, and Frosty the Snowman. And, but sing Old Silent Night like we sang a while ago or call it Christmas break, that's offensive. Bah humbug. <laughs> I believe that's offensive has become the new bah, bah humbug, just to be honest. Schools have changed the name from winter break to Christmas. I mean, from Christmas break to winter break. Long-standing traditional nativity scenes are protested and lawsuits are filed. But Jesus addressed this, John fifteen eighteen. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Then he goes on to say a few verses later in verse 21, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. And we know you would think today that because of all the stuff that somehow that that's the majority out there, but really it's such a small fraction. You know, I, I, I've made it a habit when, when, um, 
when I go to the store and we check out this time of year and, and whoever is, does the exchange with us, they'll say, Happy Holidays. I always respond back, Merry Christmas to you. And most of the time, you know they're saying Happy Holidays because some superior told them that's what they say. And you can almost see the relief most of the time when you say Merry Christmas. They, oh, I can say it back. See, diversity isn't making everyone conform or walk on eggshells. It's giving people the space to be who they are. Bob Stein said this. He says, I'm a Jew, and every single one of my ancestors were Jewish, and it doesn't bother me even a little bit when people call those beautifully lit up, bejeweled trees Christmas trees. I don't feel threatened. I don't feel discriminated against. That's what they are, Christmas trees. It doesn't bother me a bit when somebody says Merry Christmas to me. I don't think they're sliding me at all. In fact, I kind of like it. It shows me that we're all brothers and sisters celebrating a happy time of year together. I don't know about you, but if if I run across somebody and they look at me and they say Happy Hanukkah, it doesn't offend me. I just understand who they are, and that's fine. I could get so caught up in this, and I don't want to spend too long here. But but to avoid offending anybody, the school, as we said, started, it's not Christmas programs anymore. It's winter programs. They do songs such as Winter Wonderland and Frosty the Snowman. And I found out this is a real song, Susie Snowflake. Which I actually heard somebody, t- I read a deal where somebody, a father was talking about this, and he said, the funny thing is, we live in Miami, and they're doing all these winter songs. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You know, I don't, I don't think any of us that are here would be defined as this type of Scrooge. But there's this false narrative out there there is there's a we're in an area of offense phobia and it's creeped into our thinking and you know what if we're honest most of them are offended that we even exist as christians that's really what the root is and and why not just embrace who people are if somebody doesn't want to believe, that's fine. If what I believe is a, is, a, is a myth or a fable, which it's not, but even if it is, what, why does that offend you? The other side of the coin, though, are people that I'd call dogmatic Scrooges. These Scrooges would go to the other extreme and take everything secular out of Christmas. If it was up to them, Santa would have to go get a real job. The elves would be fired and the, and the reindeer be in the zoo. Because it has to all be about Jesus and nothing but Jesus and anything outside of that is evil. Now, I know that Jesus is the reason for the season. And don't get me wrong in this. I, 
But he's not the only good thing about Christmas. It's a wonderful opportunity to connect with family and friends that we've been made perhaps out of touch with. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great boost to the economy, and there's nothing wrong with that. How many know the winter sale wouldn't have the same impact? Let me ask you this. If you're so against that, how many of you have gone so far to say, if you're so against that, then go ahead and the over-commercialization of Christmas, then go ahead and get back your Christmas bonus. Right? I mean, who wants to say bah humbug to seeing the joy of a child on Christmas morning? There's no need to fire Santa. Now, we didn't make a big deal out of Santa when our kids were little, but we weren't afraid of it. You know, all it takes is just saying, you know what? St. Nicholas was a real 4th century bishop. He was a man that walked this earth, that followed Christ, and he loved giving surprise gifts to poor and needy. And that legend grew, and that became what we know of as Santa Claus. Doesn't harm anything. There's no reason... To not just relax and enjoy it. If we put our focus on the miracle birth of Jesus and where it's supposed to be, we should be able to relax and enjoy it. We shouldn't pick this thing apart. But then there's the flip side of this one, the one which I call the legalistic Scrooges. These are the people that would do away with Christmas in a heartbeat, but not for the same reason as the other Scrooges. They look at some of the pagan roots of some of the parts of this thing that, is, that has become Christmas. If you know what we, what we know as Christmas today, it comes from all kinds of different backgrounds. And, all, and it's through, through time has kind of grown and become symbolic of this day that we share. And, there's, and so, yes, there's things that, that you can look back and, and, and have find certain roots and things and say, well, it all started here. And, and because of that, we have to stay away from it. And you hear things, because there's things they just can't get past. And, and, and yes, they tell us that this was originally used as, as pagan celebrations on December 25th to celebrate the passing of the winter solstice. Okay. Around 270 AD, Emperor Arulia capitalized upon the heathen worship of the sun and declared December 25th to be the day to celebrate the rebirth of the unconquered sun. In other words, the sun had kind of lost its time period that it shined and from this point on was the time that it began to to days begin to expand and so they celebrate that and you hear things like well the Celts use evergreens in celebration of of, uh, of some of their eternal life practices and things and, and yes yes I know Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th that is not shocking news to me the truth is we don't know when he was born And you look at speculation and you see things all over the map. And it's okay. So because there's some truth to some of these things, it doesn't mean that I'm going to lose the Christmas joy. 
Christmas still brings light and joy to the dearest time of year. People's heads are still turned towards the manger. And if their heads are turned towards the manger, I'm going to point to it with everything I have. But let me give you a flip side of some of these things. Christmas Eve, about the year 1513, Martin Luther was walking through the woods on Christmas Eve. His heart was on Christ and what Christ has done. And he says that as he walked through the woods that night, he felt the presence of God. And he said he looked up and he saw trees out there where he was walking and the stars shining through the trees just looked like the trees themselves were lit up. And it was because of that moment that he cut down a small tree, brought it into his house, and put candles on the tree to recapture what he saw in that moment. He wasn't involved in any Celtic worship. He was taking part of God's creation and recreating what he saw. And that became his thing. And so much of what we celebrate, that's truly the root of where it came from. Yes, somebody abused it before that. Matter of fact, the, when, I, when, I, when I look at my tree, when I look at the trees we have here, my heart doesn't go back to some dead Celt. My heart goes to the one that was born in the manger. And that's who I worship. And that baby grew up to show us God's love. That baby grew up to be the sacrificial lamb of God. He died for my sins and your sins. And he was laid in the grave. And on the third day, he got up. And because he got up, that same risen son, not the risen son S-U-N, the risen son S-O-N is coming back one day and he is going to be king of kings and lord of lords. And because of that, I can celebrate this time. If God can redeem a pagan like me, he can redeem a pagan tree, he can redeem a pagan day. And make it what he desires it to be. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 8, 4. Paul is dealing with a little bit different subject, but I think the principle matters. He said this statement. He said, therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol is, an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. What was he dealing with? He's basically dealing with this idea. There were some believers that felt because meat was, was, was impure because it had a, some pagan beginnings in its use and somehow it ended up on a table and they were so scared that they were going to defile themselves by eating a piece of meat that at some point was used and, and butchered around some kind of pagan ritual. And Paul basically stands up and says, you know what? Those things are nothing anyway. They're powerless anyway. Just... Eat and enjoy, don't ask too many questions, just, just go with the flow. And so in my mind, if he, if he does that with meat, then, then why is a little tree all of a sudden this evil thing? Why is celebrating a day an evil thing? See, the Christmas is a season we can, we can get people in these doors. 
If we were to go with what some people would try to say, we wouldn't celebrate any of this. Now, how silly would that be for a church at Christmas time when the whole world is looking for something, at least partially, either looking at it with a with a eye of hatred, or but their attention is turned towards the manger? Why would we not embrace that and stand up and say, "We can tell you the real reason of what it's all about." My goal today is I just want you, because we hear all this stuff, and please understand my heart. My goal today is for all of us just to relax, push all the stuff aside, and say, you know what? I can relax and enjoy Christmas. I don't have to pick everything apart. I can go back to what it was like to be a little kid, and I can watch other little kids enjoy it, and I can watch the smiles on their face, and in the whole process, I can point them towards Jesus, that all this is possible because Jesus is came and walked this earth. Which leads me to my last Scrooge this morning. The apathetic Scrooge. This is a type of Scrooge that probably don't even realize that they are a Scrooge. They would never say bah humbug, but they would say ho-hum. There's no passion when they look back to what took place over 2,000 years ago. The moment, think about this. That very first Christmas morn, whether it was in December or it was in June, it was still that very first Christmas when Christ was born. I want you to think about this. For over 2,000 years ago, was fulfillment of a moment that God had been working towards from the moment that man fell in the garden. The angels had been preparing, preparing to sing that first Christmas song for who knows how long, waiting for the day. You know, we used to do, years ago, we used to do some pretty elaborate Christmas productions with kids, and a lot of resources were put into it. And one of my one of my favorite ones, we have several that stand out, and I've got DVDs of them because we would video them with cameras, multilingual cameras and all this stuff every year, and we'd sell the DVDs and, and just had a good time putting those on, months and months of preparation. And we did one, and I don't even remember the title of it off the top of my head, but I remember the whole premise was taken from the perspective of heaven, waiting for the moment they could announce that birth. And all the preparation and all the angels getting ready and, and all the stuff of this involved with that, and, and the idea that all of heaven was just waiting for that moment. And one of the things we did was we, we, we filmed it like it was an old World War II airplane jump. We filmed the kids dressed up in angel costumes that we put on the screens because we pull, couldn't pull this off live. And, and so we did a bit of all of a sudden when his birth was announced, there was an angel sitting there, go, go, go. And we had, we picked kids just running they were actually jump, jumping on a little foam deal but we filmed it and we did a little screen, green screen thing and we had some of them laying on tables like they were falling and we filmed that with clouds going by and, 
and all this stuff and, and just had a great time with it. And the whole idea was that all of heaven was waiting for that moment. And it's not out of bounds because think about this. God himself had the heavens tuned. The clock of the universe was wound to that moment that everything would come into life, so alignment so there'd be the right star at the right place at the right time to announce that birth. Heaven pulled out all the stops to announce that birth. The enemy of our soul feared this moment so greatly that kings slaughtered hundreds of thousands of babies trying to get that one. Think about the impact of that. Jesus and Christ was born after Mary and Joseph traveled a great, great distance that God even said it where a king would call for a census at the right time so that he would be born at the very place that prophecy said he would be born. On that first Christmas morning, all those things, the star, the singing, the, the, all the, and later on the gifts that were exchanged, all those things, the shepherds were told to rejoice and to celebrate. Magi started on that long journey that took them a while to get there, but even they understood something significant had happened, that a king had been born. See, but the reason whole being is, is God, because God clothed himself in human flesh and was born in the same way we are born, all for the purpose of growing up and becoming a man and demonstrating firsthand God's love for us and his desire for us to be reconciled to him and to bring us to that place. And he gave his life on the cross. He was born to be the sacrificial lamb of God. All the Jewish traditions that were celebrated, they all pointed to this moment. So I, I for one, I can't look at all that. I can't step into this season that we're talking about as first verse and just with, a, with the idea of ho-hum. I can't sing songs like So Will I without something being stirred up in me because of what was done. I have a passion and a heart for what was done for me, and I so long to. I was talking to Kristen this morning as she was just in the office. We are getting ready, and we were talking about some people that we know that are, that are out there, and you can see the stuff going on in their lives. You can see them almost wallowing in their bitterness. You can see the things they're holding on to, and they just can't step out of that over into the joy and the grace and everything that God has for them because they're stuck in that place and they don't realize that the price has already been paid. They don't realize that there is a better way. They don't realize that, the, that Christmas represents the greatest gift of all time. We all know it, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that 
he gave. What did he give? His only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we quote that first like the back of our hand. But sometimes I think we need to stop and we need to look at it afresh and anew and realize what was done for us. So with that in mind, I say, so what that Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th? So what that we know that there have been abuses in, around Christmas time, both past and present? But I'm still going to celebrate his birth. I refuse to be apathetic towards what he's done for me. He came to offer us the greatest gift of all time. And it all started in that manger in Jerusalem. What I am saying this morning is this. Is you're going to run across all kinds of scrooges. They're going to try to pick things apart. It's going to try to suck the joy out of Christmas. I'm just telling you, put those things aside. Recognize where they're coming from. And just in your heart, become that child again of the wonder of Christmas. The wonder that God would come and be born like us. The wonder that he would allow himself to be hung on the cross when is any moment he could have said, Lord, they're not worth it. Let's return to the wonder of Christmas. Let us understand again that that was a holy night. Even if it wasn't at night, who cares? Who cares? I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. And I want us just to end this service today by just singing a holy night together. And allow yourself to get lost in that moment. Allow yourself to feel the wonder of Christmas again. Amen.